0: Canucks Central Wednesday. It's Stan Richo and Satyar Shah here in the Kintech studio. Kintech footwear and orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. This hour of Canuck Central is brought to you by Brivo. Brivo provides convenient cloud-based access control systems from your mobile device for any industry. Go to lp.brivo.com slash Canada for a smart demonstration. Canucks keep the wins going, Sat. They just uh, they just keep rolling over at Rogers Arena. All they're doing is winning hockey games. Uh, it's pretty remarkable. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're
1: putting themselves in such an advantageous position mm-hmm. now that they've passed the one-third um, marker of the season. And it's just... It's been impressive, especially with how they've been able to win these last couple of games against some pr- pretty good opponents, teams that are tough to beat in, in yeah. situations. So, yeah, things are looking very, very encouraging for the Vancouver Canucks.
0: Uh, they really stumped Tampa Bay for most of that game last night and uh, now improved their home record to 11-3-1. It, uh, it was tough times at home, usually, for the Vancouver Canucks the last couple of years, but they've really flipped that script, which is good. Well, they were... Almost better on the
1: road, it felt like. Yeah. As opposed to being at home, and Rogers Arena is back to being a tough place to play. And I think it was interesting hearing Braden point post game, and we'll talk to Kevin Woodley who was in yeah. the room speaking to the Tampa guys. And you know, he talked about how how complete a team the Canucks are, and how hard a team they are to play against. And if they continue playing this way, and they professionally snuff out games in the third period, well, they're going to be a really tough opponent to 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 meet on home ice. And you know, obviously. We want to see how they do against some, some teams like Vegas next time to play again and the L.A. Kings. Yeah. But, I mean, Carolina, despite their struggles, not an easy team to play against. And, you know, for Braden Point to say what he said, I don't think it was lip service. The,
0: the stat that I uh, kind of got uh, taken aback by last night, I had it on Twitter. Only the Bruins, Avs, and Rangers have more regulation wins than the Canucks do since Rick Tockett took over as head coach. It doesn't seem real, really, Um, but uh, it's not been just this year where they lead the league in regulation wins. Uh, This goes back to when Rick Tockett first became head coach of the Vancouver Canucks. And uh, joining us now is the president of Hockey Ops with your Vancouver Canucks. It is Jim Rutherford. Thanks for this, Jim. How are you?
2: Pretty good, thanks.
0: So uh, two years on the job. I I know you've uh, kind of gone over it already a couple of times, but... Like, do you feel like a real Vancouver right now? Like, have you gotten to know your way around the city pretty well?
2: Oh, it's the easiest city I've lived in to get around. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I uh, became very familiar. I mean, I'd been to Vancouver many, mm-hmm. many times. Yeah. And so uh, er- everything uh, since I've come here has, uh, has been very easy for me.
1: What well, and has it been an easy transition and comfortable for your family as well?
2: very much so. Yes. Yeah, I was uh I have a 15-year-old son. I was a little concerned about him, but it was a matter of a week or two. He was he told us at the dinner table. He said, you know, I I, I just really love it here and uh and so, you know, he he uh he has a good school, he has a good hockey program, and uh he's uh, he's pretty happy. Makes it easier for his mother and me.
1: Well, you mentioned that good hockey program. We're seeing a, a bunch of these young kids come out that are so talented now, too, and the strength of the, the development program here. How impressed are you by that? You know, the youth hockey programs they have here.
2: Yeah, I can't speak for them all. I mean, uh, my son plays in the Thunderbirds program, and last year he had a really good group of teammates and really good coaches. And as luck would have it, the same things happened this year good group of guys and uh, good coaches so uh it, you know from that point of view it's worked out well
0: so the the team has is, is really come around here this season and it's uh, it, it's I, I mean it's got the city of buzz everybody is is talking about it you know i go to my beer league hockey games at night and all everybody wants to talk about is is how good the team is and how much things have have turned around uh, but as you mentioned uh, in an earlier interview that you feel the window is is just opening um, what 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 does that entail as you kind of look ahead to the rest of this season and moving forward in the next couple of years?
2: Well, we're in a process now. You know, uh, With the new uh, group of hockey ops people have been here for a couple of years. In the early going, we dealt with the flat cap. We had to unravel that before we could start to really make some changes on the team, and now we got to that point this year. And now this group, one, they – Rick talk put a plan in place. He has a system. He asked the players to work hard in the off season, come in ready for camp and ready for the start of the season. They bought into that. They did it. Got off to uh, a good start. And we're in that process now of just learning all these different stages. You know, the games will get harder for us. The, The more wins we get, the harder teams are going to play against us. And, uh, and you deal with injuries you deal with schedules that are a little harder which we just did a week or a couple of weeks ago i think we played 12 games in 18 days or something like that and and it makes it uh, you know that's that's a learning experience for the guys because now the coach has to play certain guys extra minutes and and play outside of what they're used to and and all that stuff so so as we go along here, it, uh, as long as we're learning, as long as we're getting better, then things will ultimately work out for us. With
0: that structure and, and you know, the coaching staff that has worked so well with, with the players, is it, is it easy, does it make it easier for, for you and the rest of the front office to, to identify areas of need on the roster than maybe it was when, when you first arrived?
2: Yeah, well, the hockey staff is aligned, you know, from from the Aquilinis from ownership, right through all the way through. And uh, uh, I'm certainly not going to suggest that we all agree all the time and we shouldn't. We have great debates about things, but when there's a decision made, everybody's aligned, everybody's on board. And so when you have that, it, it, it certainly makes it, it makes it easier to analyze the players evaluate the players and what we have and and what we need not only what we need now what we're going to need a year or two from now
1: you mentioned unraveling the cap and getting this roster to a point where you feel it's good where it's at how much more do you think it kind of needs in terms of tweaking things for this team to become a stanley cup contender
2: well, that's hard to say. I mean, that's something we'll watch on a regular basis here. You know, at this point in time, the the team that's playing right now for the Canucks has uh, have won a lot of good games against good teams. And uh, you know, is it is, does it mean adding more players or does it just mean getting the experience of what you're going to deal with going forward and the ups and downs of the season and who you're going to play in the playoffs and how the playoffs change and all those things. So, but, you know, I mean, even if we were coming off winning the Stanley Cup last year, we're going to look at a regular basis on on how we can make the team better, if possible. But where we sit now, we certainly won't be as aggressive as we were at this time last year or in the offseason.
0: I know uh, we can, and myself, I can get into the habit of like, oh, they, they need a top six forward or they need a top four defenseman. And it's, it's really simple to say those things. Those players aren't easily available around the league. I'm sure every front office wants to add those things to their roster. So w- when you go about, you know, looking and uh, sort of figuring that out with, with Patrick and the rest of the front office, how do you go through that process of identifying a, the type of player that could fit into a role within your roster and, and really excel in that role?
2: Well, what what are the needs of the team? I and mean, one of the, one of the big things that that needed to be changed in the off season was getting more guys that can kill penalties. Mm-hmm. Now our penalty killing has dropped off a little bit of late, but but uh, we have more guys in that area. Is it uh, an area where we don't think we can score enough, and we have to go out and look for a goal scorer? Things like that. But you have to be very careful with that because you can add what your need is, but if that player doesn't fit the chemistry of what you have going now, then that can derail what you have now. So you, you walk, we, we walk a very fine line when we look at making those decisions. You're absolutely right. It's easy to say, you know, they need another defenseman or two or they need this or need that. But at the same time, that player has to fit in. And what's happened to this point is the players that were brought in here were good character players. They accepted their role, and they fit into it.
1: Well, and, you know, one of those guys you guys brought in that has been very successful has been Sam Lafferty, and, you know, I view him as almost a super utility player, can do a bunch of different things for your right-handed centerman as well, can take some face-offs. I mean, he's just such a nice, flexible piece, and I look at the type of team you guys are trying to put together and have put together, the way the team has been coached by Rick Tockett, it seems like... You guys love having those F one forwards on each line that can really forecheck well and really set the tone and win a lot of battles and and win pucks for the the teammates and and be good defensively. I know every team looks for that, but is that the type of player that you love to keep adding and and having involved in this team?
2: Yes, and that's that's how the process starts. You know, the the coaching staff dictates what kind of players they want, and then tell Patrick, and then. That whole information starts going through hockey operations, you know, from analytics to pro scouting. And and can, can we find that type of player? And in Lafferty's case, he's strong, he can skate, he can play anywhere in the lineup. And that, that, that's the kind of guy you want. Um, it, it just makes it easier for the coaches.
0: You know, one of the other big acquisitions made last year was was Philip Perona. Because uh, I mean, by the numbers, it looks like he's fit like a glove. Is he? Is he fit how uh, you had imagined?
2: Yeah, we we liked him for a long time. Patrick made several calls leading up to that trade. He was very persistent on it, and and looking at our defense and the age of our defense, getting a guy that that falls in into that area of of age and he can skate he can move the puck um was important to us and so uh he is fit very nicely i think originally we had thought he would be in the second pairing on defense but the coaches tried him uh with quinn and uh and they've had really good chemistry
1: Looking back at last year, and Bo Horvat was on an absolute tear, scoring a bunch of different goals. And, um, you know, obviously the captain of this team, you guys had just extended JT Miller. There was a lot of criticism around JT Miller and people wondering why he was extended and not Bo Horvat. And obviously, you know, it's easy to look at it from the outside sometimes and, and, and think, think things are a certain way. But now when you look back at holding firm to that decision, getting JT, and then flipping Horvat, getting heroic, looking at, at how JT's playing this season, how do you feel about the process you went through? and and how it worked out to this point?
2: Well, we feel good about it. I mean, how it's turned out is how we felt about the different players. But make no mistake, I mean, we tried to sign Bo Horvath. His, his uh, number, uh, contract-wise, was different than what we saw that we could fit in. And, uh, and so it ended up that both sides uh, went different directions. But... Uh, But, you know, we we really like J.T. Miller. We have, from day one when I got here, this guy, uh, you know, he's a winner. He, He does what it takes to win. And when you look at what he does with guys that he plays with, like last year when Bo was here and working on winning games, of course, but getting the numbers up, I mean, he was getting the puck to him all the time and he was scoring goals. And now he gets... He gets better on his line, and now he's getting him the puck, and he's scoring goals. You know, he makes he makes players better, and uh, it was uh, it was important to keep him.
0: Miller was was really one of the first big commitments you made as as a front office, and uh, you know, as you mentioned, the the value on the ice has has certainly been there. But you know, sometimes he feels like a second coach, like the on the ice coach for the team, with the way that he's drawn up things with with Rick Tockett on the bench and doing some different things, but also. It feels like him being the the eldest of of the core four, as as Patrick outlined at the start of the year there, um, it it feels like he's kind of helped lead a little bit of this culture change
2: we've seen. He has. He's bought into what the coaches asked. And and what I see as the biggest difference in him, and maybe that's where some criticism come in um, over time, was he's he's contained his emotions more not 100% i wouldn't expect him to 100% and part of that is he feels comfortable with the coach because the coach holds all the players accountable and i think jt had some frustration at one point in time where you know he would see that things players weren't being held accountable and so he took it upon himself to try and help that out but now that, that seems to have totally settled down.
1: And as far as just the overall impact and the scarcity in the player type, like one of the things we talk about JT is there aren't many players that are 6'1 or bigger, over 200 pounds, can play center, can throw a lot of hits, be physical, and then produce at a point-per-game pace. So when it also comes to player scarcity, like if you are to move a JT Miller type, like how hard would it be to try to find another player like him?
2: Well, it's hard. There aren't five or seven guys, five, six or seven guys in the league can play the game the way Miller does. Miller can play in any kind of game. He can play against the heavy teams. He can play against the skill games. Depending which way the game's going that night, he can adjust to it. There's very, very few players in the league that can do that.
0: Jim Rutherford, uh, our guest. I, I know you've been asked about it. Uh, we we've started joking with Patrick about how much we've asked him about it. But when it comes to uh, uh, Elias Patterson and, and the negotiation, is it is it simply uh, just making sure the player know, player knows the door is open to get something done when when he's ready and, and wanting to do that?
2: Yes, there's no urgency here because he doesn't become unrestricted for another season after this. So there's just been good communication between the organization, the player, and the agent. There has not been any negotiation at this point. Um, and, you know, we're, we're hoping to get to that at some point because Pedersen is such an important player. He's a terrific skilled player. And, uh, you know, we want to we wanna get to the point that, that he's comfortable with, with uh, what he can make stand here and be a big part of the future of this team. How does
0: it affect your future business that, that it isn't done yet?
2: Uh, it affects it a little bit because in an ideal world um, we would like to know the, the status of the uh, PD's contract first. And uh, But it doesn't affect it to a point that you know, we're upset about it or it bothers us. It may just slow a few things down, but the things that it slows down, there's no urgency on them. So it, it's, it's, it's okay.
0: Would your preference be to, get, to have a max term deal with Patterson?
2: Uh Very open, very open. My preference and the organization's preference is that Petey gets a deal that he's comfortable with. Okay? And so if it's a shorter term or a longer term and it's something that he's comfortable with, that's something that we're going to be comfortable.
1: Now, as far as like how you viewed Elias Pettersson when you came in, and obviously when you first came in, he was struggling. He was going through um, a low point in, in his young NHL career so far. And From what you saw then and, and what you were perceiving and what you're seeing now, how much has your perception changed, or did it change uh, from then to today, of Pettersson?
2: It's changed a little bit. I knew how good he was because... When I lived in the East, I used to always stay up for the late games, and I watched Vancouver a lot. I knew how good he was. Didn't know quite how good he was. I I would suggest that as he gets comfortable, a little bit stronger, and all those things, and everything's going right for him, that he could be in the top five players in this league. That's how good he is.
0: You've referenced uh, that, uh, you know, in planning for the salary cap in the future, you've referenced young players that you believe will will be able to to help through the expensive years of the Oliver ekman Larson buyout. Uh, which, which players are, are you thinking of, and, and how well do you think you've built out that part of your organization?
2: Well, I think we're ahead of schedule on players we have in the pipeline. And if you look what's going on in Abbotsford now, we have a very good coach there in Jeremy Colton. He's, he's helping develop the players. He's helping develop players that kind of fell off the prospect list. And, uh, and then some players that we drafted. Now, all these players aren't going to come along the way we're projecting, but we're hoping that most of them do. And if they do, we have a good, good nucleus of younger players coming that will be here, uh, if not next season, the following season.
1: Uh, before I let you go, Jim, I wanted to kind of ask you about uh, Andre Kuzmenko, not necessarily about Kuzmenko himself and the situation I think we've all kind of gone through. You've mentioned it quite a bit about where things are at with him, but you mentioned JT's a type of player that makes everybody around him better. If we look at Elias Pedersen. When he's at his best, he makes his line mates better. How does that kind of inform the types of players you want to commit to and, and how much you invest in, and the types of wingers you have for those players?
2: Well, I sure. I mean, that that's that definitely has something to do with it you know with players that would have chemistry um, with Patterson or, or Miller or or even our other centers I mean our other centers play a little different role but you know I think our, our center ice is pretty good now with Suter and and Bluger and these guys and and then of course there's other guys Amon and Lafferty can play center too so we've got good depth there but but like in Kuzmenko's case right now He's having a little bit of a sophomore jinx. Okay, um, it hasn't gone as well for him, but there's still a lot there. I mean, he hasn't lost his ability, and uh, and so right now he's playing on the fourth line. By doing that, he gets to play against lesser players, and maybe by playing against lesser players, he can get his confidence back and then move back up the lineup. Still getting power play time, so so we you know we're certainly hoping that he can get back on track.
0: Hey, Jim, we, uh, we really appreciate your time. Uh, all the best, and uh, we'll we'll talk soon.
2: Okay. Thanks, guys. Take care.
0: There is Jim Rutherford, president of Hockey Ops with your Vancouver Canucks, joining us here on Canucks Central. If you have some thoughts on the interview, uh, takeaways, 650-650, Dunbar Lumber text message inbox says, uh, well, he's kind of gone through it uh, over the last 24 hours and has done more than a few interviews and – You know, sort of going into it, um, I know our thought process was okay, let's try to get something a little bit different out of Jim Rutherford. And it turned out to be more, I guess, philosophical on how they start to take this forward from where they're at now. We know they're in a lot better position, but, you know, what happens from here is kind of the big question for the Vancouver Canucks.
1: Yeah. And based on his answer, uh, he was obviously he made it clear that they're not in a dire position where they feel like they have to make some drastic, big, bold moves. And they kind of want to let the season breathe and perhaps see what they do in the postseason to get a better idea of what does this team truly need? What do we have to work with? Can this group handle certain situations? What are their shortcomings? Who can we rely on? So it seems like that evaluation process of, hey, can these guys contend for a cup and what's short needs to be told over the course of the rest of the season and the postseason.
0: There's, like, look, we have an idea. The Canucks are a pretty good hockey team, Yeah. right? Um, still trying to figure out, are they a great hockey team? Are they one that uh, can give some fits to the true contenders in the playoffs? That's all still a story to be told, but it's also a team that has many questions that they've got to answer in the next little while, right? Starting with Elias Pettersson, yeah. Philip Ronick, that contract, and what does that look like? How much are you committing to those guys? But beyond that, now, they don't have a lot of long-term deals on the books, right? They've got Oliver ekman Larson's cap hit on the books for a while, but uh, and the the penalty, I guess. But they haven't. There's not a ton of long-term commitments that they've made, and that does give them flexibility as the cap is going up over the next couple of years. Well, JT's for six more
1: years, and you know, uh, Demko has two more beyond this. Hughes has three more beyond this. Yeah. We'll see what Pedersen ends up signing for, but there's flexibility in the next couple of years. And I think what's going to be interesting is what they end up doing with a couple of guys who have term. Mm-hmm. We know Garland's situation. That's nothing imminent, obviously, with, because of his salary. How does he kind of fit in here long term? But outside of that contract, because you can look at it and say, hey, maybe that's one they would love to change up if they could. There isn't a deal on the books beyond this season that you're concerned about. yeah. You know, some will say, hey, JT at some point, that's what they're concerned about. But in terms of next year and the year beyond that, like the only one really is Connor Garland and how he fits. And as long as he's actually a good contributor and helps the third line, at least it's helping you. So it's not like it's a drag where you can't play this guy and he's really dragging you down.
0: Yeah, he's playing pretty well in in the role that he's been given. You'd like to see a few more points, but uh, he is, and that line is having a lot of success at least keeping the puck out of their own net and uh, spending more time in the offensive zone. We want to hear from you, 650-650. Any of your takeaways on the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. We'll continue to break down what Jim Rutherford had to say with us here to open the show. Plus, Kevin Woodley is going to join us and overrated, underrated still to come. It is a Wednesday here on Canuck Central.
1: Catch up on what happened in Vancouver sports with Halford and Bruff in the morning. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.